All right, guys, welcome back to our teaching in the book of Exodus. Now, the last time we were here, we were in chapter 30, as we were looking at the final articles that would be within the tabernacle structure itself. And it was the altar of incense to the which incense would be placed upon this golden altar, burned and the smoke would symbolize the prayers of the saints. And this would be placed inside of the tent of meeting, what we call the holy place, right before the curtains of the most holy place, that is right before the Ark of the Covenant and the mercy seat, that most holiest of all articles, symbolizing the altar of incense, prayers of the saints going up before God. And then it talked about another particular article, which was the, uh, the labor to the, which the, the bronze labor, which would be in the outer court of the tabernacle structure to the which the priests would wash their hands and their feet before they went into the holy place called also what the tent of meeting. So with these particular articles, the tabernacle structure, as well as all of the articles concerning it, the instructions for these things are now complete. God has given Moses all of these uh, instructions for what he wants and how he wants them to be built. Now, in chapter 31, where, where we are today, it, will, it should be a very, even though it's a pretty short chapter, it should be really short in the coverage of it because there's going to be really two uh, things that we're going to talk about in chapter 31. And that will be God's particular assignment of an overseer and an assistant to build the tabernacle structure and the articles that are involved in it. All those particular articles that we talked about, right? We'll get into all of that in chapter 31, but we've already seen all of those articles anyway that are involved in the tabernacle. So he will give an overseer and an assistant for that. And then there will be an associated date. And that's the beautiful thing to be seen about that. But an associated date, that is God will speak of the Sabbath day and how God wants the Sabbath day to be acknowledged among the Israelites. Okay. And the thing that we noticed, and I talk, talk about this even now is how the Sabbath day is related directly to the tabernacle structure itself, which meant that it was God's mindset for the Sabbath day to be a day, not simply of refreshing of the physical body, from six days of labor, but refreshing of the spiritual individual. Notice because of what that tie that we see with the commandments for the building and, and, and placement for the tabernacle and things of that nature and all of his particular articles and right alongside of it, what? A day of rest to acknowledge the Lord himself. Okay, so we see that the Sabbath day would also be a spiritual day of refreshing, but Without getting all of that, let's just go into chapter 31. Again, it should be quick. Now the Lord spoke to Moses saying, See, I have called by name Bezalel, the son of Uri, the son of Ur, the son of the tribe of Judah. I have filled him with the spirit of God in wisdom, in understanding, in knowledge, and in all kinds of craftsmanship to make artistic designs for work in gold, silver, and in bronze, and in the cutting of stones, 
for settings in the carving of wood that he may work in all kinds of craftsmanship. So basically all we have is this. Now that the tabernacle, as we've already said, has been given all of the articles, the instructions concerning the articles and how they are to be made, God now assigns a particular man to the construction of these things. And his name is Bezalel. And God has, and he is assigned as what we would call the general overseer. He is going to be the general administrator for the building of all of these particular things. That's number one. And number two, we see that God has given him, notice it calls him the spirit of wisdom. We would just simply say, God has given him the necessary talents that he needs in order to build these things. Now, you can take from this principle that God gives men talents in all types of things. And I would say to that, yes, this is true. But in particular, for the construction of the tabernacle and the articles that are involved in this, we see that God has greatly given this man uh, multifaceted talents. Notice, in understanding knowledge, all kinds of craftsmanship, whether it is in making things of what? Gold, silver, bronze, even what? Verse number five the cutting of stone, the carving of wood. Also, this man has truly indeed been gifted by God in all manner of craftsmanship for the construction of the tabernacle and his articles. And he is the general overseer, Bezalel. Now let's continue. That was easy, wasn't it? And behold, I myself, verse number six, have appointed with Ohaliab, the son of Ahasimach of the tribe of Dan, and in the hearts of all who are skillful, I have put skill that they may make all that I have commanded you, the tent of meeting, the ark of testimony, the mercy seat upon it, all the furniture of the tent, the table, and also all and its utensils, the pure gold lamp stand and with all its utensils, and the altar of incense, the altar of burnt offerings, also with its utensils, and the laver and its stand, ten, the woven garments as well, and the holy garments for Aaron the priest, and the garments of his sons with which to carry on their priesthood, the anointing oil also, and the fragrant incense for the holy place, they are to make them according to all that I have commanded you. Now, that was an extensive reading, but it was an easy reading. So what does he say? Along with Bezalel, he is also given a particular man by the name of Ohaliab of the tribe of Dan. So Bezalel from the tribe of Judah, Ohaliab from the tribe of Dan, and Ohaliab is to be his assistant. And so he is to assist Bezalel in the construction of all of the articles of the tabernacle. And all we basically see is in verses number seven through 10 are the particular articles of the tabernacle that we have already talked about. And that is basically just giving a general listing of these things. All right. And also too, we'll notice in verse number 10, there is an introduction of something new called the woven garments of the priest that the priests are to wear. And this seems to be uh, garments that the priests are to wear uh, when it's cold, 
during the winter time and they're doing their duties when it's cold okay but all of this includes all of the articles everything that is involved in the tabernacle previously mentioned the oil the incense the clothing of the priests everything is to be constructed under the administration of these two men and God reminds him to make all of these things for the tabernacle according to the commandment of God just like God has told him to. Okay, so with all of that, what do we see here? God, as he has given the construction for the tabernacle and all of his articles, tent of meeting and everything, he has given men as administrators to make these things, all right? Easy. So now let's finish the rest of the chapter dealing with the Sabbath. And as I said to you guys earlier, notice and remember now, the, the idea of the tabernacle is what? It indicates the dwelling. It is literally, it is literally the place, the tent of meeting, the dwelling place where God dwells among his people. God dwells with the sons of Israel. Okay, so it is the tabernacle itself is a holy thing. When we look at the tabernacle structure as a whole, it is a holy thing indicating God's presence with his people and God's presence. God can only be present with his people in the dealing with of their sins. That's why we see the, the tabernacle is constructed in the way that it is constructed. But notice alongside of this holy thing, the tabernacle in dwelling with them, God now speaks of a particular day. So we can understand the setting aside of the Sabbath day is also a setting aside of worship. Now, the only thing that we do not see with respect to the Sabbath day is God telling them how to worship. But without a doubt, because of this, even the textual, uh, 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 the text of the giving of the Sabbath, in the way that it is spoken of in the scripture, it is clear that the Sabbath day is supposed to have some type of spiritual significance, not only the significance of rest in the physical body, but also in a, a, a rest or refreshing of the spirit of a man, bringing in the idea or concept of worship. And it seems that this worship is a worship that is freely allowed to the individual, or even should I say, to the nation. But nevertheless, it is an acknowledgement of refresh, refreshing and worship. Okay, because of what? Because of literally the mentioning of the Sabbath as it is tied along with what? The tabernacle structure itself, where worship is done. All right. Not worship in the way that we would think, but worship in the sense of God's dwelling with them and they're approaching a holy God. But verse number 12, let's talk about it. The Lord spoke to Moses saying, but as for you, speak to the sons of Israel saying, you shall surely observe my Sabbaths for this is a sign between me and you throughout your generations that you may know that I am the Lord who sanctifies you. Therefore, you, to, you are to observe the Sabbath, for it is holy to you. Everyone who profanes it shall surely be put to death. 
For whoever does any work on it, that person shall be cut off from among his people. So now God institutes what? The Sabbath day. And we understand the Sabbath day simply will be the seventh day of the week. And notice what he says the Sabbath day is. It is a sign between God and Israel throughout their generations. So, and, and the reason why I want to emphasize this particular point is some people want to uh, observe the Sabbath day now, but what we have to understand is number one, the Sabbath is a part of the Mosaic law. And Christians are no longer under the, the law of Moses. At the death of Jesus Christ, the law of Moses came to an end, and therefore Christians are not mandated to worship God on the Sabbath day or any particular day. Any day that a Christian wants to worship God is up to them. If they want to worship God on a Wednesday, fine. On a Sunday, fine. As long as the communal group agrees with this, it makes no difference to God. And we understand this as written by the Apostle Paul in Romans, uh, what is it, Romans 14, as well as in the book of Colossians, where we have no respect, we give no respect to a particular Sabbath or a holy day. All of these things were under the law. But what we do see is in the Mosaic law, as we have it here, the Sabbath day is a sign between Israel and God. And again, this also speaks to us now, not only because the law of Moses is done away with, but what? The Sabbath was never given to the Gentile church. That is, if you are not Jewish, if you are not Israel, the Sabbath was never given to you in the first place. It was only given to Jews. But let's go back to the text. Again, it is a sign between God and Israel. And notice also to what it indicates. It indicates their sanctification. That is that God has set the nation of Israel apart for himself, for a work. And we understand as God has spoken already in Exodus 19 and 20, that Israel was set apart to be a priestly nation, that Israel was set apart on behalf of a, a, a priestly nation on behalf of the service for all the world, for all the families of the earth. Remember what even God made in that stated promise, that principal promise to Abraham that in his seed, he would be a blessing, not for Jews alone, but for what? All the families, that is the Gentiles families of the earth. So we see Israel's usage. Israel has a privileged priestly usage on behalf of all the nations of the world. But anyway, so this is what God is talking about when he says how God sanctifies Israel. He has set them apart for his own unique purposes. And for this reason, verse number 14, what the Sabbath is to be holy. It's, it's a day set apart for their refreshing, for their remembrance of who they are and what their purpose are. So we see that once again, what that concept of spiritual refreshment for the nation of Israel to be done on a particular day, a day of remembering 
who you are and what your true purposes are. And that is a nation under God, a nation for God's explicit purposes. And then he begins to talk about the penalty for the profaning of the Sabbath. And to profane the Sabbath is literally to do any kind of common work, work that you would normally do on a regular day. And this is the idea of profaning the Sabbath. And again, the idea of profaning to treat something as common. So to treat the Sabbath day as a common day, to do on the Sabbath day what you would normally do any of the other six days, the penalty is death. So therefore, the Sabbath day is to be considered a sacred day unto the Lord. And notice this sacred day unto the Lord is given alongside of, let's look at all of the text of scripture above this. The sacred day of the Sabbath day is given alongside of this sacred thing called what? The, ta the tabernacle of meeting where God himself dwells. So notice there is that again, the relational tie between the Sabbath day and what? The tabernacle of meeting, the tent of meeting. All right. Uh, verse number 15. Again, we see an emphasis concerning the Sabbath day and its recognition and penalty for breaking the Sabbath day. It's just basically, it's like a repetition. You would think that God just forgot what he is trying to say, but God is repeating this because he is making an emphasis of the importance of the Sabbath day, the spiritual refreshment and recognition of the Sabbath day because what? It relates to God. It relates to God's work. It relates to God's people. You got it? So therefore the Sabbath is to be understood to be sacred and a special day. So God uh, uh, emphasizes this through repetition. And that's what we have with the remainder of this. 15, for six days work may be done, but on the seventh day there is a Sabbath of complete rest holy to the Lord. Whoever does any work on the Sabbath day shall surely be put to death. So the sons of Israel shall observe the Sabbath to celebrate the Sabbath throughout their generations as a perpetual covenant. It is a sign between me and the sons of Israel forever. For in six days, the Lord made heaven and earth, but on the seventh, he ceased from labor and was refreshed. When he had finished speaking with him upon Mount Sinai, he gave Moses the two tablets of the testimony of stone written by the finger of God. Okay. So then again, as we just said, what do we have an emphasis of these things once again? So he talks about the six days, uh, the, 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 the construction of the week. What is the construction of the week that God is giving Israel? Six days, they can do whatever work that needs to be done. But on the Sabbath day, it is to be set apart as holy to the Lord. And therefore, they should themselves rest on the Sabbath day. And once again, what? In that prohibition, if you should break the Sabbath day, the penalty once again is death. And notice how grievous the penalty is. The penalty speaks of the sacredness of the day. If you break the Sabbath day, 
You are to be exiled from your people. You are to be put to death. And this lets us see the sacredness. Why? Because notice it ties it with the person and the work of God himself. Why? Uh, uh, 16, I'm sorry. <laughs> so it says that this is a perpetual covenant for the sons of Israel. Again, God emphasizes that it should be what? A sign between he, him, and the Israelites. The point that I was just making earlier, what? It was never given to the church. It was never given to the Gentiles. So therefore, having the mandate of the Sabbath is never an obligation either for the church or for non-Jews. And, 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 and this, what comes to my mind are the Seventh-day Adventists. They make a big deal out of the Sabbath day trying to bind the Christian church to the Sabbath day. But once again, what? The Sabbath was never assigned or given to the Christian church or to Gentiles. The sign was only given to the Jews for the sons of Israel. And even so, notice, even though, even though it says perpetually for aolam is the actual Hebrew word. And sometimes the word can be used for generations or it can be translated forever. But the sense is, or even the word can be translated for a duration. And that seems to be the idea. The idea is for an extended duration in the sense of being forever or in the sense of being perpetual up to a point. And we understand that that point ends with the coming of the Messiah, Jesus, and his death on the cross. And this ends, this ends the obligation to the Sabbath for the sons of Israel. Now, if you want to, if you want to, you can observe the Sabbath. That's what Paul talks about in Romans 14. He who observes today, it is to the Lord he observes today. But he who does not observe any particular day, it is still unto the Lord that he does not observe any particular day. Let every person, every man be persuaded in his own mind as to what day that he would set apart to observe unto the Lord. That is what it means. This is what we have in Christian freedom. We are not obligated to observe the Sabbath day, okay? We can do it on any particular day that we want to. But, back to the text, God is simply saying what? That it is mandatory for the sons of Israel under the Mosaic law to observe the Sabbath day on the seventh day under the threat of the penalty of death. And so finally, and then he, he says, and another reason is because what? It looks at the pattern of God in creation. That's verse number six, 17, and how God himself chose to create the world in what? Six days and then God on the seventh day, and it uses an anthropomorphological, anthropomorphological, that is, it speaks of God as if he is a man. An anthropomorphological wording, God was refreshed. And the reason why we say this is anthropomorphological, speaking of God as a man, God needs no rest. 
God never gets tired. God's power is never diminished, but it still speaks of God's secession, God's stopping his work, choosing to complete his work and do nothing on the seventh day to create a week, six days of work, one day of rest. And so it speaks how God was refreshed. Not that he needed to re-energize or repower himself, but in his secession from labor, okay? Labor of creation. So finally, when God had finished speaking to Moses in all of these things concerning the tabernacle and that beautiful thing, construction that he would give to symbolize his presence with the sons of Israel and those particular men, Bezalel and Ohaliab, that would be responsible for the construction of these things. What? He told, he, Moses is now Mount Sinai. God gives him the two tablets of the testimony. The two tab these, were, these were the tablets of testimony that we see in Exodus chapter 20 when God was speaking to the sons of Israel and he spoke those 10 words, the, what we call the Decalogue or the 10 commandments. And this is what was given on the tablets of testimony. This is what was written with the finger of God. The 10 commandments were written with the finger of God. So God gave him that, the 10 commandments. He stopped speaking to Moses at this particular time as he has also given Moses what? All of those other instructions, those commandments, as well as instructions for the building of the tabernacle and all of the articles, and God now completes. Why? Because things have gone off the chain, and that's when we get ready to go into chapter 32, and we see Israel's monumental failure so soon after God has demonstrated with great power of deliverance, bringing them out of Egypt, so soon they have turned from following after the commandments of God. And so God stopped speaking to Moses, chapter 31 here, and we ended here. And in chapter 32, we begin to look at Israel, one of their first national dabbling in idolatry. All right. All right, guys. Thanks for joining me with that. That now concludes, as we've been saying, what the, the preparation for the building of the tabernacle structure itself. Join me next time as we get into chapter 32 and talk about the idolatry of Israel. And it will be an idolatry that will be continuing even to their destruction in 586 B.C. If these lessons, guys, have been a blessing to you, there is always a link in the description that you can use to support the ministry. And I am encouraging you to do so. And for those of you who have blessed this ministry and do support it, let me say thank you for all that you do. All right, guys. Good to see you. See you next time.